Hello, everybody. It is great to be here one more time today. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I'm the CEO, President, and Founder of GSD Get Shit Done Venture Studios. We're a premier AI and quantum venture studio located in the heart of Silicon Valley. I've been involved in 17 startups and several unicorns. I was on the original management team of Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion, and also the co-founder of Eva.ai, an AI HR tech company. We believe that intellectual capacity is evenly spread around the world, and up, but opportunities are not. So with that, I have an incredible guest today. So Shaba Denchazi is the founder and analytics director of DTAG Analytics. I mean, he's got an incredible background. He's a data analyst by profession, but a storyteller at heart. I love that. I don't want to hear more about that. He's had 19 plus years worth of industry experience. And in his areas of expertise in things like leadership and collaboration, training with teams, complex data research, analytics and synthesis, project management all over the uh, world, and also with incredible uh, technologies like Elastic Cabana, Cloudera Impala, Cognos, etc. So raised and born in Hungary but traveled between continents. And yes, he went to Harvard University and he studied psychology. So he's a humanist, seeking knowledge and wisdom at all times. So with that, I'd like to bring Chaba on. Hi, Chaba. How are you? Hi, Gary. Very good. Thank you for having me. So I got a question for you. How in the world did you get to Harvard? <laughs> um, it's kind of a long story. I want to go to Harvard and, uh, you know, how fast can I get there or what happened? Well, if you want the cynical answer, um, these uh, universities pride themselves on uh, making sure that they have at least one representative from pretty much each country around the world. So all I had to do was to be the best candidate from Hungary applying as a foreign student. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it took a bit of doing and, and some testing. Um, you know, I had my interview in Austria. I had the good fortune of, uh, you know, staying on with my uh, assigned graduate student and walking around the uh, the Christmas fair um, in the wintertime. So uh, I don't know what to tell you. It, uh, you know, I am very grateful for the opportunity. Um, and uh, mostly it was a combination of a bit of uh, you know, effort and good luck. Uh, how was it when you went to Harvard? Now, what happened the first day you came in? Did you think, wow, I hit the jackpot or we were like scared? Um, I, I was I was scared. Probably that would be the, the closer. Um, I was not uh, necessarily, um, you know, I was totally blown over and impressed by the campus and, and later on by the by the opportunities presented. Um, you know, it was also a very rarefied atmosphere. It was, took a little bit of doing to get used to the you know, to the society that, uh, that emerged in campus. But um, overall, um, it, was, uh, it was a fantastic experience. I'm, I'm very, very uh, fond of my uh, alma mater. Now, how was it when you got to meet, you must have had some very interesting, famous people there. That, how was it to meet them? Were they like normal when you talked to them or what was it like? Well, the famous people you don't necessarily, you know, get to talk to from that that close up. Um, we had the heir to the Davidoff family there. Um, I believe Natalie Portman overlapped a little bit. Uh, I just missed. Um, uh, I just missed Mr. Zuckerberg. Um, I, I graduated a few years before uh, uh, before he came on the scene, but I was actually um, privy to the uh, what you call to the to the 
prototype version um, that ultimately eventually evolved into uh, into Facebook. So um, it was uh, it was it was a it was a brilliant experience exactly because it put you in contact with and in the uh, uh, in the same sphere with um, the best minds in uh, in pretty much all of the uh, the businesses and the sciences. And that 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 is why it's a tremendous opportunity. Um, I was uh, I was always you know trying to take advantage of and to you know, experience as many different types and flavors and philosophies as I could. And that was the perfect place to do it. Now, how was it in the wintertime? Was it cold in Boston? <laughs> it was bitterly cold. It was, it was tremendously bad. And the worst is actually not even so much the winter. It's the, uh, it's the turning point between winter and the spring when, when everything melts and you still have about a foot and a half of snow and in places uh, a foot and a half of slush um, that you have to trudge through. So, yeah, it uh, it took some getting used to, um, but uh, you know, in the end, I think it was definitely uh, it's worth it to put up with the weather in in the New England. Now I remember going to the coop, walking down the coop. I did uh, when I was finished my master's degree at another university. I actually used the library up there, and I remember walking over to the coop, and it was freaking the the snow got inside of my shoes, and my shoes were freezing actually. And I'd had to take my shoes off. It was that cold. I had to warm my feet up. And I was like, oh, my God, this is really cold. But beautiful place, especially in the summertime, by the way. I like watching those the rowing, you know, down the lake. Was it the Charles River? And just a, a wonderful place. And, by the way, I don't know if you like lobster, but, man, they got some good lobster around Boston. Real, real good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So tell me, so you did that. So you spent four years there. Now you're a psychology major. What kind of psychology did you study? Um, initially, I was actually studying neurobiology and psychology as a joint major. Um, I took some time off between my second and third year, and when I returned, um, they basically had canceled the specific program, so I had to choose whether I wanted to go the hardcore biology route um, or or or, or do, towards the social sciences. And I ultimately ended up studying um, organizational psychology, social psychology, for the most part. Um, I'm definitely was always very much interested in communication, um, how it works, uh, what makes it work. And, uh, and so that's ultimately the path that I took. Um, but I'm still very much, let's say, I don't know, I was raised in, in a very scientific uh, environment. I'm, I'm very fond of the hard sciences and, and, you know, neurobiology still has a soft uh, spot in my heart. Well, then what happened when you're reading Carl Rogers and client-centered therapy? How did you feel it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, the, the thing with uh, psychology is that you're presented with so many different theories, um, just, you know, a whole constellation of this is how it works, that's how it works, and, and you're supposed to come up with, okay, so which of these is actually true? They can't all be correct at the same time. Um, and that, that actually was frustrating in the beginning. What, uh, you know, kind of settled it for me is, is, is that, in fact, all of them are different angles of, of understanding uh, the human experience. They're, they're not mutually exclusive. They do, in fact, all describe part of it. Um, where, where we're lacking, so to speak, is there isn't a unified grand field theory to pull it all together. We don't, you know, we're, we're, we're getting there, but, but it's not yet on the table. And so um, instead of being frustrated by, okay, so which of the, these is actually the true path, um, it ultimately becomes a, a part of, a, you know, a greater understanding the more you're able to look at it from different perspectives. Um, so it, it turned out to be, for me at least, a very rewarding experience. So what happened? So you you graduated from Harvard. What did you do 
you know, did you come right back over? I know you're working with, uh, you worked with a company called uh, CGI in greater Boston area for a year. And then you, you worked for um, um, Symphony, right? Mm -hmm. For, um, I guess what? Seven um, years. Three, yeah, seven years. Um, so basically, it's kind of a long story, but um, the uh, the strategic consulting company was at the time a much smaller startup that became absorbed by CGI. Um, we were dealing with um, essentially helping procurement uh, of large corporations and uh, government entities. So specifically, I was assigned to the state of Rhode Island to optimize their uh, purchasing programs. And I spent a bit of uh, actually uh, about a year and a half uh, working on procurement of office supplies in the millions of dollars. Uh, how do we concentrate spend? How do we uh, get them the best deal possible? Um, and from there, I was approached with an opportunity to join this quirky, unknown startup called Symphony um, that was engaged in the business of uh, essentially trying to build uh, a natural language processing system to analyze uh, online content, to analyze media. Um, and I decided to take the plunge and it, it, was, it was actually, you know, became the, I don't know, the direction for the rest of my career. Um, and, uh, and that's where I was first exposed to this, uh, this idea of teaching machines, how to understand language, how to, uh, comprehend and to essentially, you know, high volume processing that, that a human simply doesn't have the, uh, the time or capacity to do. And, uh, that, you know, it's been, um, an uphill, uh, ever since, um, because I, I decided to stick with it. Um, Symphony ultimately got acquired, um, and became part of TNS, which is a, you know, one of the oldest and largest uh, market research companies out there, which in turn became part of the, the Cantor Media um, group um, before I before I left in 2011. And so you did that. So you went down through that. So you're doing you're doing Cantor. So when did the bugs start to bite you? I know you went to Microsoft too. You spent almost seven years at Microsoft, right? Yeah. So um, the bug was probably right around. Um, 2008, um, I, I dug in. I, I was spending a lot of time with uh, with major clients in the financial sector, and it was then really that uh, sort of the internet came alive in the sense that you began to be exposed to these vast networks of uh, connections. That's when Twitter really kicked into high gear. Um, Facebook was becoming a little more than just a way to connect with uh, uh, with your college friends, and uh, it just kind of all came together um, because I began to uh, essentially see the the power and the the incredible potential that that this new form of communication this uh, this whole social network uh, slash uh, social media content represented um, and I became firmly convinced that you know in, in the grand scheme of things there were several seminal events you know in the development of, of, of humankind you know the invention of fire writing the wheel um and uh, and and the printing press and, and this is akin to one of those shifts in my opinion um I, i'm not revealing any new secrets that the internet is a is a revolutionary uh, technology and the way that we've been able to use it um is really changing the way that that all humans live and so i became convinced that i you know I became dedicated to the idea of trying to understand this and uh, essentially trying to see what benefit uh, can be derived from it uh, through uh, through a better understanding of how it works. And, you know, we're, we're trudging down that path. Um, I, don't, I don't think the work will ever be done, but um, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at, uh, at sort of the uh, both the changes as well as the uh, the outputs and, and the results of, of what is happening. 
That's interesting. By the way, how did you ever get to uh, Washington, the state of Washington? Why did you wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to Washington State. I want to, I like drizzly, drizzly rain and uh, you know, that kind of thing. What happened? So, yeah, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned at the, at the top that uh, the opportunities are, are not equally distributed. Well, it was, it was much the same. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to be presented with a chance to work with uh, one of the largest and uh, sort of most you know, uh, well-equipped uh, technologically and uh, uh, from a from development standpoint, uh, really, really great environment in, in Microsoft. They had a policy that if you wanted to join the team, you had to be on board. You had to actually come. You actually had to come to Washington. So that was uh, that was the impetus. Um, I was uh, I was very uh, how shall I phrase it? Uh, very much impressed. Uh, Washington in the summertime is beautiful. That's why they only bring people to interview between. You know, well, I, I uh, you know something, but a June lot of August. other times of the year it gets. I've been up there and I've seen people outside when it's raining, thinking like this is nice weather. Like it was like weird. oh yeah, like, oh yeah. As long as around and you know it was like it's raining, but they were like walking down the streets. I'm like I've never seen anything like oh I've seen it in London. London. Yeah, it's much the same. I mean, uh, it's basically like if there's no uh, hailstones, it's a sunny day in Seattle. That's yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And people seem real happy. That I went down to Pike's Market and had crab, and I thought, well, I can, you know, for a couple of days, I can get used to this. But it was weird, that's for sure. Look, the the landscape, the the natural surroundings is just unbeatable. Like literally, you walk around, you know. Mount Rainier looks like you know Mount Fuji, for lack of a better comparison. Uh, you're surrounded by by green and and just wonderful forests and and streams and lakes. I love nature. I love to hike. Um, I've got you know I, I go out with my dogs uh, pretty much every other day to to experience, and I always find something new, a new stream, a new lake, a new forest. Um, it's gorgeous. It's great for the plants. Um, uh, the the lack of sunlight does wear on some that are not uh, born and raised in an environment that is used to it. So the Dutch, the Irish, the Scandinavians uh, seem to uh, take to this like ducks to a pond. Um, for myself, uh, yeah, I, I, I need those sun breaks. That, uh, so what do you colleagues... do? Like when you need a sun break, what do you do? Get one of those... Uh those special lights and put it on your desk <laughs> um that works for some i've tried that too um it's uh, i think a bit overrated um, auto lights auto light yeah that was the day with the company you, you don't have to you don't have to go far right it's a it's a very unique geographical characteristic of the huge uh, mountains uh, the cascades and the um, uh, the olympic mountains that creates this cauldron so as long as you can move about maybe 50 75 miles out um it's uh it actually "Quote unquote" becomes normal. You just have to go over the pass, um, and on the other side, in uh, in central and eastern Washington, there's plenty of sunlight. So that's what you do. Um, and uh, and and you know, uh, you can't always take a, a weekend getaway to the Bahamas or, or Hawaii. Um, but uh, but but that's the other recommendation that uh, that many around here seem to uh, be seem to be doing. And so, what do people do for fun up there? So they go hiking. I mean, what do they do? I you know, I lived in Seattle a, a while myself, but it was like I—I I mean, I, the mountains and boating. They were boating at the time. So, what do people do for fun? Is uh, nature? It's a combination. First of all, the the the, the whole uh, restaurant scene, microbrewery scene, um, has really just—it was already bustling when I arrived, but that was ten years ago, and now it's it's burgeoning, or I don't even know what to call it. It's verdant, um, just like just like the natural surroundings. But yeah, people do spend a lot of time outside, like you said, a little bit of rain, drizzle, sleep, 
you know, fog is not going to bother anyone. They're going to be cycling I mean, and hiking. It doesn't and, even bother them at all. Like they're walking, oh, no. like it's oh, something. Yeah. You've never oh, seen yeah. oh, yeah. like it. Like yeah. that was the most incredible scene I've ever seen in my life. Like I said, the only other place I've been is London where, where people were laying down in Hyde Park and it was kind of like strange like that too. Not as bad, but it was like you get used to it. So you did. So when you did Wayfair, were you in Seattle or did you go to Boston again? We no, I, went, I, went, I went back to Boston. It was um, uh, it was kind of a strange uh, interlude time. It was just before um, the formal setup and, and the funding of, of my company. Um, and uh, I really wanted to give it another shot. I'm, I'm very fond of New England. As, as, as you know, from my perspective, it's as close to home, quote unquote, um, as it gets in the U.S. Um, you know, I, I just like the surroundings, the the wrought iron, uh, you know, fencing and the gates and the brick and the cobblestone. The the quote-unquote traditional um, European atmosphere. It's a very walkable city. It's 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 small enough that you know in about an hour, hour and a half, you can get from any point to any point. Human scale, um, and so um, I wanted to try that. And plus, it was a great opportunity. I mean, Wayfair uh, was you know going up like a rocket. Uh, there was just a lot of storming and forming going on, and and I had the good fortune of being uh, part of that uh, and and being able to look at. Um, the, the analytical uh, side of the behavioral uh, uh, part of, of a consumer um, work. So the, they obviously have an online uh, sales business and the home furnishings uh, space. And they were very, very much focused on learning as much as they could about, um, you know, what drove people to uh, to do things, how they could uh, serve their customers better, um, what, what could be done to take it to the next level, to analyze uh, what is happening online. And so for me, I'd always been focused on the expressions, on the text, on what people said, uh, on how they said it and what was contained therein. So this is a great compliment to look at it from, quote unquote, the other side is, is what they actually did, uh, where they went. Um, but uh, but yeah, I was back in Boston. Uh, it was in, in one way a successful uh, uh, venture because it allowed me to, you know, get a chance to take a look at it again. Uh, my family actually decided that they, they, they preferred Seattle. So uh, we ended up uh, not, uh, not, not transplanting everybody. And then uh, the, the nice little segue into COVID happened and I was, you know, I was back home anyway. So we ended up uh, sticking around here on the West Coast. Wow, that's great. So that, let's talk about DTAG and how, what was the idea? You found, formed it in 2018. You're the founder and analytics director. What made you come up with the idea of DTAG? And, you're not, you weren't a computer scientist. Well, how did you come up with all the, these incredible ideas? Um, so, look, the, the idea had been sort of in the back of my mind for years and years. You know, it's like one of those, where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? And mm -hmm. I had long ago decided that uh, that I wanted to to take a shot. You know, I wanted to, uh, to be able to determine my own sort of uh, fate and future. Um, I wanted to basically start my own company and 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 try this um, uh, try this idea of going after uh, the meaning in in online communication. Um, I had been working with engineering teams, software developers, uh, you know, computational linguists uh, for basically more than a decade and a half at that point. Right? I started it in two thousand three. Um, I've been uh, always uh, very actively engaged in and testing and contributing to uh, the various iterations and versions of the platform development at uh, Symphony and TNS. Um, I got a chance to actually. Uh, get a close look at the other uh, uh, companies and the other uh, divisions within Kantar uh, that were involved in either same or similar uh, projects, collaborate with them, um, which is 
you know, why I was able to go over to, uh, to Microsoft to basically build uh, such an in-house system um, on my own. And so after having gone through five iterations of uh, essentially building something like this, um, I decided that, okay, now I think I have enough under my belt that I can, I can do this on my own. And the other thing is um, just the, 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 the freedom, the, the, the sort of the responsibility and the freedom of, of being able to manage uh, your own affairs, right? It, it, in many cases, your environment, your, your setup, your boss, your department, your funding is going to be um, determinant of your chances of success. Um, I, I wanted to see whether, uh, whether I could uh, sort of uh, succeed on my own terms and, and be responsible for not just, quote unquote, my own part, but, but in creating the environment that, that allows the work to happen. Um, in terms of the technology piece, um, yeah, I've, I've, I'm not I'm not a coder. I'm not a software developer. Um, what I what I do have is uh, because of the, the years of working with these tools, a very uh, very good understanding of the whole thing. So, what goes into creating the uh, the software? What kind of database structures do you need? Um, what is the effect of of data transfer and the network that you put behind it? Um, it's it's like you know I, I'm the project manager, so to speak, that is able to communicate with the um, with the technical team, with the database engineer, um, I speak their language, and and they provide the expertise, and so that has turned out to be a, a really good uh, collaboration because um, I kind of bridge the gap between uh, the business side, the the customer side, um, because I've spent a lot of time uh, working with and uh, and managing the customer relationships, but I also have um, uh, very good rapport with uh, with the teams that actually make it happen in the background. Well, that's great. And so how does it feel going from Wayfair to DTAG? <laughs> well, you know, like arriving at Harvard uh, at 18 years old, you know, it's a, it's a huge opportunity. It's, it's great. Um, you know, we finally uh, got, uh, got a bit of seed funding and, and this is on for real. Um, but at the same time, it's a, it's a tremendously daunting uh, experience of now you're responsible for it all. Now you have to, you know, you have to build your system. You have to build the office. You have to build your team. You have to get your uh, your customer base together. So it was it was a huge learning curve. Um, you know, um, like I said, uh, I'd gone through the motions uh, uh, many many times before, but uh, this time without a safety net. You know, the, when you go out on your own for the first time, it's um, uh, it's a bit it's a bit daunting. But for the most part, it was exhilarating. Um, I was very Kevin, lucky. Did you get scared at all? Were you nervous at all? And saying that you know, did you ever doubt yourself when you got started? And how did you? Oh my gosh! <laughs> did I ever doubt myself when I got started? Um, look, it, it's it's a it's, it's it's an oscillation thing, right? Uh, you start out because you know you feel confident. You you think you know you're going to change the world, and and uh, and you're convinced that that your own perspective is right. Um, but you know, uh, in, in my opinion, at least. Um, you, you you're not thinking uh, you know correctly if if you don't challenge yourself if you don't doubt yourself what am I doing wrong what could I be doing better um, you know why, why is this not working um, the trick is not to get paralyzed right the trick mm -hmm. is to learn from and move forward and and roll and 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 reconfigure your approach and and then just keep going until until you succeed um, that that's where it's not so much doubt that that it would succeed that sort of firm belief has thankfully stayed with me and that's the other thing right you don't you can't nobody can do this alone you need a team uh, behind you so that when you're having a down day you know, the others pull you up uh, and, uh, and and vice versa um, so we, we've gone through many uh, oscillations of where everything seemed lost and hopeless and 
and and then something clicks, right? If you have the right team, if you have uh, the right combination of of, uh, of the talent and the uh, uh, and the thinking capacity, you can always come up with a solution. And thankfully, so far, we've been able to do that. Yeah, you've done a great. Now, how is business? Um, business is, is going. Um, the, basically, we we've accomplished what we set out to do, uh, which is to carve a, a name for ourselves uh, in the industry. Um, we are just now in this in the process actually no we have signed uh, the contract with the sixth uh, uh, sort of top 20 pharma company um out there um i'm i'm very very hopeful um if we can if we can keep going at this pace um then uh, I, I definitely see uh, bright things in the future um we've basically you know gone through the uh, development path we've we created a platform that is now quote unquote stable um, again the work is never done uh, there's, there's there's a mile long list of things that I uh, that I want to uh, con continue to develop and include but there's no shortage of ideas uh, it's not it's not a matter of okay where do we go from here it's a question of what's the priority what can uh, yield the greatest success and how do we choose our steps most wisely um, but uh, but the opportunities just keep coming we are now at a point where we have to be careful about what to accept and what to turn down um and that's a good problem to have yeah that's a fantastic problem so it's a lot better to figure than when you first came to stanford the first day weren't sure what you're going to do right i mean it's good to know the map going forward so what could you we have uh, entrepreneurs from all over the the world from the czech republic from hungary uh you know, from switzerland germany austria you name it we're in 51 countries but what would you say to them they're getting ready to start a company. What, what would you say to them today about what it's like to start a company and how to stay positive? Ooh, um, very good question. Uh, not not as easy to answer. Um, look, I, I I think the the most important thing uh, beyond you know kind of having having belief in in yourself and your ideas is to um, is to always be learning. You know, I don't know if you remember Ben Gary Glenn Ross. Always be closing. You have to always be learning. You have to be forcing yourself and exposing yourself to, uh, to, to, to new opportunities and ways of thinking um, that, you know, that, that is true throughout building your team, uh, choosing uh, which conferences to attend, uh, choosing uh, uh, incubators and, and, and experts and, and advisors such as yourself. Um, you, you can't do it alone, right? You have to live in an ecosystem and every engagement uh, is going to make you better, is going to make your idea better, is going to make your company uh, work more smartly. So um, managing that and, uh, and balancing it is, uh, is, is tricky, but, but it's the only way uh, to success in my opinion. So my advice is, um, uh, is to, to always not only be open to learning, but to seek out um, opportunities to, uh, to challenge yourself. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be tough, and, and there's going to be a lot of uh, misfires, and there's going to be a lot of um, sort of oh my gosh, why did I just waste two weeks, one month, three months on this? Um, but you learn, right? You you gain an experience that you would never otherwise have had, and it does in fact click into place. Um, something that we did six months ago, a year ago, two years ago that ultimately didn't yield any results at the time circles back and becomes a new opportunity, a new business idea, a new feature, um, and, and a way to, uh, to go forward. So just always, always, always learn and, and, and keep note of, uh, of what has happened like in the that. past. Yeah, that's right. Always learn. You got to be a lifeline student. So we're coming up to the top of the show. What are some closing thoughts and how do people get a hold of each other? 
Um, closing thoughts. Uh, look, I mean, I spent my, you know, my, my pretty much my career trying to understand uh, sort of human uh, society, whether we think, the way we communicate um, through what's, what's published online. I don't have to tell you that now everything is online. Every, you know, every utterance, every whisper, every conversation, um, everything is there. And so um, what we're trying to do is to go from describing what happened to understanding why something happened and why things are the way they are, and then going to, okay, what's going to happen? Um, that's, that's really been uh, our, our focus. So one of the things that I wanted to mention is that uh, predictive analytics is, is real. Um, yes, there's a lot of uh, what's, what's the word here? Sizzle, um, as opposed yeah. to steak. Sizzle without, without the steak, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, you have to be careful about uh, about how much faith you put into these things. But yeah. um, I myself am personally convinced that it is absolutely possible. Um, it is absolutely uh, and then very important to uh, to be able to do. And so that's that's what one of the directions that we're we're taking the company in. And we have a new um, essentially product launch coming up that that I'm tremendously excited about. Um, getting a hold of me is uh, is quite easy. You can go to uh, d-tag.com um, uh, or, or look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, the name spelling is unfortunately not as easy for uh, for most English speakers, but uh, but the good part is it's reasonably unique. So um, I don't think there are very many other Don Chazis, uh, uh out there. So at least you uh, you can you can find me easily. But um, look, uh, I, I, I see. Chaba, what's the best way? LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is uh, is, is yeah. direct. I, I always Chaba uh, through LinkedIn. You know, check out their website. What's the website? What website do you want us to go to? DTag, so we can get the information on your site. That would be great. Yeah, DTag, dot com um, is uh, is our is our homepage. Um, we we you know all of our contact info and and the projects and the products uh, are are on there. And um, you know, I'm, I'm always you know available. It's uh, it's it's one of those things where you're you're running an enterprise like this. You you have to uh, you have to be open to opportunities. No, that's great. Well, we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. Thank you so much. Tell Kinga that I uh, said hello, and uh, hopefully she feels better soon. To all my audience out there, thanks for joining one more time to GST presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And I'm your host, Gary Fowler. Stay tuned for another exciting edition. We will not be broadcasting on Thursday. I'm actually on my way to Stanford University, but we will be back again next Tuesday. So see you soon. Stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy. May God bless everybody out there. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.